Welcome to Level 7, Episode 155, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 3, Episode 18, The Singularity. And this is indeed a different kind of episode because of the way we're doing things. Uh, It's all from the ground up. There's no live conversation. It's all happening just apart from each other, call-ins and all that kind of thing. And so it's all wonky. So here we go. Welcome to level seven. I'm just kidding. We're actually going to play the real music. But first, this message from Daniel J. Lewis. Then we'll play the real music, I promise. But then the structure of this episode is going to be a little bit different, hopefully a little bit fun, and hopefully we'll never have to do it again. If you enjoy this podcast and any of our others from Noodle Mix Network, please nominate three of our top shows in the 11th annual People's Choice Podcast Awards before May 1st. For quick nomination instructions and voting reminders, go to noodle.mx slash podcast awards. And thank you for your support. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Once again, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to talk about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And um, I'm on a conference, and Daniel is out doing sports stuff and school stuff and family stuff. And we will have some messages from Daniel later, but it's not going to be about the singularity. I did invite Evan to join me, but he's joining me by sending in voicemails about each uh, segment, and that's how I'm going to do the coverage of this show. I'm going to watch each segment from commercial break to commercial break, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've just seen, and then we'll play Evan's comments, and then we'll get into some messages from some listeners. Uh, I think there's one or two about the singularity. I think there's one or two that I I don't even know what they are. They're in order. I'm going to play them in order. I'm going to play them in the order that they came, and I'll probably have a little bit of a comment or a thank you. Uh, I do have some text emails that did come in, and I wasn't thinking that we would address them for this, but uh, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to address these things that came in because you know what why not why not in fact let's let's go ahead and address address the first one the first one that we're going to address here is actually not feedback for any episode but it's feedback from iTunes it's an iTunes review and so i'm going to go ahead and and say say thank you uh i know evan's not here daniel's not here uh but i am and i know i can speak for daniel uh, for, well, his name's Filmy747 from Australia. I say his, it could be hers, uh, it, his or her, whoever it is, whatever. Uh, thank you very much for giving us a five-star review on iTunes in Australia. And just very, very kind. Uh, so he says, been listening to these guys since midway through season one. Have a blast listening to the banter. Uh, they definitely the podcast to listen to if you're an MCU fan. And again, thank you so much for doing that. I do have another thank you that I need to give out here. Uh, if I can bring it up just a second here. Yes, here we go. Agent Katie. Agent Katie, we have to say a huge, huge thank you to you. We appreciate you. And what do we appreciate about you? Well, we appreciate you for being a listener. There's that uh, clearly. 
Uh, but there's also the, oh, what's it called? This is, this was someone who gave uh, to our Howard the Duck commentary bonus episode thing that we have. Uh, it's a sponsorship thing that we have. And we say thank you a couple different ways when you give us uh, money to help sponsor the show. And at the $25 level, which is what Agent Katie gave at, is the, that's the Nuff Said level. And that's a shout out in the episode. And so we want to give you a shout out, Agent Katie. Agent Katie, this shout out's for you. Thank you so, so much. We appreciate it so, so much. And we appreciate it by giving you a shout out. We appreciate it by giving you that Howard the Duck commentary bonus episode. This is an episode that is only available if you do a some sort of sponsorship for our, our podcast, which is at welcomelevel7.com. You can just click on the support thing there or... Uh, that's probably the easiest thing. You just welcomelevel7.com, click on support. Uh, and and I'll, I'll just, just to get into you know, this little behind the scenes here, but one of the reasons why I appreciate this so much is we've been having just a perfect storm of weird things happening with weird schedules and weird technical difficulties and just all sorts of things like that. And, you know, just the weird, we had some weird soundboard stuff going on. And uh, it, I, I think I may have fixed that, but if I can't fix that, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot of either <laughs> annoying stuff that we have to do in post-production or it's going to be getting a new soundboard. And I, I think we're going to get away with it without having to get a new soundboard. But um, we there are some things, there are some costs that we have incurred in doing the podcast anyway. And so that little gift that Agent Katie gave us, Agent Katie, once more, thank you so much. This shout out goes out to you. You can't see me pointing, but I'm pointing at you. Of course, I can't see you, so I don't know how I'm pointing at you, but it's, it's metaphorical. And uh, this metaphorical point, and shout out goes to you. The, the point is just a bonus. So you get a point, a shout out, and a Howard the Duck commentary episode. It features Daniel and me talking about Howard the Duck and watching the movie and me just waiting to see what his reactions are. And uh, what a rough movie. Anyway, uh, I think it's time for some episode watching and some episode commentary. Like I said, Evan, he's called in after each commercial break, too. I think. That's the audio I think I have. We'll find out. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and start watching the Singularity episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Clicking stop. So, yeah, I know it's not the commercial break. It's the teaser break. It's the title card sequence. But this is a fun open. This is a really fun open. I just wanted to say that uh, we have... We have Mac acting, you know, like things were his fault, even though he knows it's not his fault. He doesn't listen to our advice. Guys, when people do bad things, it's not your fault that they did it, okay? Uh, unless you ask them to do a bad thing or, in, you know, try to trick them into doing the bad thing. But when people do evil things to other people, Yes, it's our job to try and stop them, but it's not our fault that they've chosen to do that. They chose to do that. It's their fault. All we can do is react to that and try and make it so they don't do it. Anyway, uh, the interaction with May is fun there, and then turning the the, uh, the Zephyr on its side to leave the the hangar, that was really cool. It was a lot of fun, and so that's, that's what I'm going to do here, and uh, this, is, this is what it's going to be like, guys, so <laughs> it's just... Uh, this could be either, like I said, either really fun or really not. Um, 
I don't think we're going to do it again unless it turns out to be really, really fun. So, yeah, I'm going to watch again. By the way, hotel internet, not good. I don't think anyone is surprised at that, but yeah, not great. Not great at all. But don't let them know that I said that. I already got stuck in their elevator. Yes, we got stuck in their elevator. Again, not cool. Okay, so we're back now after the, uh, well, for the commercial break here. And so here's the things that stuck out to me in this section. This this section basically has the team trying to find out if they can save Daisy, and they're going to send people to find a scientist who might be able to figure out her cure. And it also has Ward and, uh, well, not Ward, Hive and Sky, well, not Sky, Daisy, uh, taking some time together at a place that Daisy used to drive her van up to sleep. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that her van was not down by the river, as they say, but rather just up there in the in the hills. And you know, to talk about Ward and Hive, to talk about Hive and Sky, Daisy, <laughs> talk about Hive and Daisy, and you know, uh, the way Brett Dalton is playing Hive. I'm I'm digging the vibe. He's he's playing this this guy like a cult leader. And in a way, you know, that's kind of what that is. He he you know, the a cult leader in our world, in the real world has a magnetic personality. And in this they say that he has an addictive uh sense to him, but you know, a cult leader has has an ability to uh you know, draw people in keep people in, make them feel like he is the only person who is important, makes them turn their back on everyone else and and causes them to say, you know, this guy is is worth, uh, you know, not just maybe not just living for, but dying for. And the way that that Brett Dalton is playing Hive right now, I just he has that that calm, even tone, but he's still uh, he, he's still not attractive, although he he is. I mean, clearly, uh, Sky Daisy, she's she's attracted to him, and of course, they're saying he, he, she's addicted to him. But it's 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 magnetic, and he yeah, it's it's a really interesting way that he's playing Hive, and you know, here we have details coming out saying that he is not just the sum of his parts, but you know, there's there's some Grant Ward in there. And he has those memories, and he's not doing any of the talking like he did with Malik, where he would actually, you know, was taking on the personality and talking about how, you know, you did this to me kind of thing. But I, I wonder if Hive, like the central core of Hive, is able to turn that on and off as he needs to. Uh, but that dis- that addiction element is really interesting. And and kind of a cool, uh, I guess, MCUing or pseudosciencing of something uh, that could be very, just you know, fantastic, fantastical. Uh, you know, it reminds me a little bit of, of the way they MCU'd the Purple Man. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about the Purple Man here, but the way that he was MCU'd, uh, you know, turning it into a natural thing, not a supernatural thing, and kind of having a scientific basis behind it. Uh, actually, this one feels better uh, as far as the scientific basis goes uh, in, in that way. So, yeah, and 
going back to that cult leader thing he's talking about when they take over there'll be no more war no more pain and it just yeah there's a there's an element of of a uh uh, Charles Manson or, or David Koresh. Um, if you've ever watched any video of some of these these cult leaders, especially these cult leaders when they're actually with the people who are following them, but even in interviews and that kind of thing, uh, I would be very curious to find out if if Brent uh, Brett not Brent if Brett Dalton had any kind of uh, if you if you use any kind of of that footage to to get uh, you know to, to do his his research for the role. Um, to or the uh, you know the method acting, you know, I wonder if he went around pretending like he was a cult leader for that method acting to to get into the mood. But the other element that I wanted to talk about, actually, there's two more elements, three, I guess, because the t- the stash is back and Daniel's not here to to mention it, and I'm not sure what's happening with with uh, recordings from him. I don't know if I'll get any before I actually compile all this together. But the stash is back. And Coulson and the stash still have their working relationship. That's nice to see. Then you have Simmons and May. And, you know, they're part of the team. We don't get a lot of Simmons and May together. And so this is nice. And the pep talk that May gives to Simmons. I mean, they are two very, very different people who respect each other for those differences. And, you know, when May is giving the, the gun to uh, to Simmons and telling Simmons, you gotta. Simmons says, "Well, we're just going after a scientist." And, and May's pointing, you, "You you gotta trust your gut here. You may have to use this. Trust your gut. Remember your training." It's a nice moment, and it's a nice moment in their friendship that we don't get to, to see very often. And so I'm, I'm glad that they brought that element out. And finally, this idea of the transhumanist, and this is something. This is. This is actually something I've been kind of encountering a lot lately uh, about cyborgs and how we are doing the different things to enhance our life with technology uh, to the point where you, you, could de- you could define someone with glasses as a cyborg because they're using technology to enhance eyesight. And in some ways, people are even taking it to the extent of saying using a smartphone is being a cyborg, tra- you know, going beyond your humanness, and not for the communication things, but for like the memory things, for the things that you're you're storing memory into this device, so you don't have to remember it on your own. You can just pull it out later. And then I got to thinking, and I don't know if anyone's ever said this. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but even being in a car, being in a car is you are expanding your ability to travel at, at faster speeds and your ability to you know, take high impact from, say, another vehicle or something. But, uh, y- you know, it, we are cyborgs in that car. The car becomes an extension of ourself. And there's the idea that a pen or a sword or a tennis racket, when it's in your hand, your body compensates and it becomes an extension for yourself. And I would actually, I can't, Okay, we're, we're getting way far away from Agent's Shield, but I would actually say, you know, when you're driving your car, maybe that's one of the reasons we have road rage is because the car becomes an extension of ourself. And so when someone cuts you off or almost gets you into an accident, it's almost as if, or, or if they do get into an accident with you, uh, they have hit you and they have hit something that has become an extension of you. Now, this transhumanist stuff, what's cool about this is this is another 
uh, logical place to take the MCU. And you've got super soldiers, you've got men in armor, you've got you know men who are hulking out. You know, you have things that you can't help. Like in humans, that's a natural, innate a, a thing that happens. And you have, say, Thor, a god. You know, he was born that way. But the idea of the transhumanist uh, is something that I've seen played with in comics a lot. And, you know, even going back into my Marvel role-playing days where you could be a mutant, you could be an alien, you could be a robot, or you could be a, a, an enhanced human. You know, and so mutants are born that way, but enhanced humans are like Captain America. They were turned into that. And so I'm curious where this is going to go. I'm actually, I'm not a lot has happened as far as action and stuff, but this has been a really fun opening, a really fun opener. So I'm going to go ahead now and play uh, Evan's uh, thoughts about from the beginning to this commercial break. And then from there, it will just be continuing on through the episode. Hello, agents. Agent Evan here reporting in uh, after the first commercial for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Just some things that stuck out to me. Uh, I really enjoyed the the uh, opening scene with the surveillance of the destruction of the base with Mac walking through. And then we had Agent May also in there. And I just really liked that scene. I thought it was cool. It was well done. Uh, it reminded me of Star Wars. For some reason, I don't know if it's maybe the X-Wing base on Yavin or the Hoth base. And I don't think they had that sort of shot in there, but for some reason it just it just reminds me of that. Uh, let's see, the conversation between Fitz and Simmons, hilarious as always. Uh, and then some interesting conversation going on between Hive and Daisy, uh, just reestablishing that bond quote unquote between those two characters it's uh, it's interesting and uh do we have some possible civil war tie-ins between uh Talbot on the screen what's he talking about maybe i missed something i don't know but it seems like that could be a civil war tie-in and then possibly this scientist guy that Fitz and Simmons are going to go look for uh, that could be something also with augmented, enhanced humans. Uh, maybe we will see Deathlock because he's an augmented, enhanced human. Here's hoping. Okay, I'm going to keep watching the show. Uh, good to hear from all you guys. And by all you guys, I mean whoever else uh, is is doing these sort of things. Okay, goodbye. All right, goodbye. Okay, back, and I just watched Act 2, and this is where you have all the stuff happening where they're going to go out on the in the field to get the Inhumans that they know about who are out there that probably Daisy already knows about, and I was not expecting to see James back. I was not expecting the whole murder vest thing that Coulson is using to... Uh, you know, make sure that, that Lincoln isn't going to go off and get, uh, get hived. But, uh, I was not expecting that. And may go, you know, turning against him because of that. That makes sense. Uh, to be quite honest, it makes sense that she would not be happy about being, 
being the trigger person, you know? She's the one that is pulling the trigger to take out the people that need to be taken out. And she has some issues with Coulson, and they need to sit down and have a, a face-to-face, heart-to-heart, talk-to-talk, because I think they, they need some Dr. Phil is what they need. They need some Dr. Phil to sit down with them and tell them, you know, give them some just good old Dr. Phil home advice and and just unfortunately I don't, I don't think that's going to happen and and May is not exactly the person who does very well, you know, expressing her emotions anyway. But she's doing it with Colson and she calls him out and she has every right to do so. Now, maybe she, she everything she's saying may not be uh 100% um you know, accurate, but she has every right to have these feelings. I mean, he he did give her the, some orders to take out people that maybe she would not appreciate having that order. And so beyond that, let's see here. Uh, oh, and then you have the, the mission. We have Simmons and Fitz out in the field, and, you know, here's what I was talking about, transhumanism. Here's what I'm talking about with uh, cyborgs and stuff. The glasses. He's wearing those glasses. Great callback to season one, where you had uh, that the 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 spy. I think it was I Spy. I think that's the episode title, uh, where they were using those glasses. And and what a great callback to that. And as he's putting these on, he is enhancing himself, isn't he? But then it seems like everyone in the room is having some form of enhancement or another. And I'm very curious again uh, where they're taking that. I'm also curious what's going to happen to James. Uh, Daisy just dropping the Terrigen Mist was a uh, something I wasn't expecting. I was expecting some Terrigen Mist to be used on James simply because Hive wants in humans, and James possibly could be one. I, I can't remember if they they I, yeah I'm pretty sure that they've already said that he was one. I've been watching under the assumption that he was, and so I was expecting Hive to you know want him to be turned into a human so he can turn around and hive him. But I, I wasn't expecting things to happen quite so quickly. So speaking of quickly, I'm going to bow out here. I'm going to watch Act 3, and then I'll be back. But here's Evan for now. Deathlock has been name-dropped. I repeat, Deathlock has been name-dropped. Will we see him in this episode? I'm still holding on to hope. We are in a room full of cybernetically enhanced people. I've got to think he's going to be showing up somewhere. Uh, if you touch your glasses in the middle of a party and they make like a high-tech swoopy sound, I think it's going to turn a few heads. Um, I don't know if only Fitz can hear those. Let's just assume that because nobody even like looked in his direction. Uh, way to, uh, cut some corners on the budget by dropping the Terrigen and then we, we pan away so we only hear the sound effects of the Terrigenesis. Very nice. Classy. It's classy. Once again, I like this, uh, I like this Australian guy. He's funny. I hope he becomes a regular character. Uh, we need some of that since Hunter is gone. Makes me sad. Uh, oh yeah, other than that, I, oh yeah, in the intense conversation, 
between May and Coulson. Some very interesting stuff there. It, to me, it kind of it seems like she's saying she's being used. She's being used by Coulson, and, and maybe she's being used by other people because they just assume, okay, she's the one who's just going to He's going to kill people. She's the one who doesn't have a problem with that because she's done it so much in the past. And it looks like Phil has been poking around in the SSR vault because we have the vest or something similar to it from Agent Carter, which was the end of Chief Dooley, and it looks like it's been reinvented for a new generation. So I like the callback there, uh, and I'm interested to see what they do with it. Uh, so interesting stuff. I'm liking this episode so far. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep watching. Okay. So what is this act three? Um, I've been having to break this up over time. So, uh, even watching the episode has been broken up over time, but, uh, yeah. So this act here, uh, we go full on X-Men with the battle. And when I say full on X-Men, I mean, we are a superior species, and I mean they are, they are playing the mutant party line. They are playing up to Magneto, not low rent TV Magneto, Magneto Magneto, um, and so they have the whole fight with uh, what is uh, I can't remember her name, but they have the fight with her. Coulson pulls the trigger. He actually does. He does the thing that Lincoln doesn't do. Lincoln is threatening to kill, threatening to hurt, threatening to harm. Coulson is the one who pulls the trigger to save May. And, wow. So then we go from that into Hive talking with um, multiply, multi, multi, multiplying woman. And she's happy to make the sacrifice. Why? Well, again, it feels cultish, doesn't it? But at the same time, it also feels like, I mean, she really is happy to make the sacrifice. And from there, we go to Hive and Daisy going to visit James. And they are, they, they want the peace from him. They're waiting for him to come out of his cocoon. And when he does, he's he's on fire on the inside. But Hive turns him pretty quickly. And they get the thing that goes with the sphere that Daisy stole. And that's the only thing that can destroy him. And so this is another neat moment where you know, we get the the quick building of the army and Hive is moving quicker. And I think he's moving quicker than S.H.I.E.L.D. can really even move as far as all this stuff goes. So that's really uh, – that was a, a, they, a, a cool scene. Like Evan said, they were saving on effects because he comes out and he's already been transformed. But, yeah, this I'm, – I'm interested to see where they go with James. Now, all of this is expanding the MCU world. And so they're expanding the MCU world with this whole Inhumans thing. But then the bar scene. The bar scene stuff. That's really expanding the world. That's expanding the world logically and saying if Tony Stark is able to do the things that he has done and if science is happening the way it happens in the MCU since World War II, and it's been happening around the world. Uh, Hydra has been acting all this time. You have other things like uh, like Whiplash 
you know, in Russia. I mean, these things are happening all over the place. And it's, it's a natural extension of all this stuff. This bar scene is pretty much showing the, the potential of the MCU world. And I like it. It excites me. It's, it's fun. And then you have Anon come and she's very androidy, which she's supposed to be, I guess. Uh, Max subtle description of how she's been enhanced uh, makes you wonder, you know, exactly what he's talking about, leaves it to our imagination. And I know where most people's imagination is going to go. And that's the direction that I think that they intended our imaginations to go. But she's also, you know, the doctor's right hand or something like that. She is there to reveal the will of the doctor and, and, you know, to sort through who is able to come and who is, who should not come to him. And that was another turn I wasn't expecting. Uh, every act so far, I think it's had a turn that I'm not expecting. Well, the act or the, the turn I'm not expecting here was the perform surgery, <laughs> perform surgery on this guy here to prove that the technology works. Where do you go from there? I mean, when you're Simmons and Fitz, Simmons can do it. She can perform the surgery. She has the ability. She's got the skills, yo. But morally, what do you do? And there's a couple of different ways that this could go. But one of the things as I'm looking at them, I'm thinking to myself, wait, this guy probably wants it done to him. This is not someone who's just going to be like a guinea pig. This guy is there. These all the people upstairs or across the hall, the elevator hall. I think the elevator was moving sideways, which is kind of a, a neat little effect. Very uh, turbo lifty. Uh, there's my Star Trek reference for the day. But yeah, this was a, an interesting turn. And the whole situation here with the party and the bar and all the people being enhanced and transhuman, essentially... There's some really neat implications to this part of the story. Uh, and then finally, you have the conversation with Coulson and May. And May says something that, boy, I really wish Daniel was here and able to talk about this. But when she says to Coulson, she's not your daughter. Ugh. Right in the heart right in the heart you know may is not just good with karate chops with her hands she's doing a verbal karate chop right to colson's heart hey ouch oh and he responds no she's the closest i have to a daughter and we you know we've talked about this relationship we've talked about the search for her family that she's been in for the last you know two and a half seasons up until this point and Hive is giving her that family. Of course, it's forced, and it's it's not something that she has uh, embraced willingly. But she's getting what she wants. She's getting what she desires. And oh, that was that was harsh, harsh, Agent May, harsh. Uh, beyond that. 
this 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 episode is not the most action packed, not the most emotional. I don't think this is going to go on any list of my favorite episodes. I don't even know if I could do a list like that at this point right now. But this episode is memorable to me up until this point because of all the expanded universe stuff that they are prying open. These logical extensions. If you have Inhumans, you know what what would happen. And if you have the ability, the technology to build a Deathlock, I mean that's what these people in the party are. They're just they're sexier Deathlocks, aren't they? Uh, they're rich people who are turning themselves into cyborgs on purpose. And it's it's a neat element. It's a neat idea. And I love that they're going here. So I'm going to stop here. I'm going to play Evan's reaction to this portion of the episode. And then I'm going to come back after having watched the next section of the show. Nothing livens up a bar like a secret surgical wing, I always say. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, interesting stuff going on in the, uh, the cybernetics bar. And hey, you know, more bar tips. If you really want a science-themed bar, it's always good to put LED lights in your drinks. Um, it just makes everything look cooler. It just makes everything look cooler. Uh, a couple more things I noticed. We have Lincoln blocking with his electric power. So he's done the Spider-Man thing, and now he is using it to physically block attacks like a shield or an extension of his arm. Uh, I have a feeling that Lincoln's powers are going to end up being like Elsa's powers, where she not only has ice powers, but she can make living, sentient snow people and change the color patterns on dresses, which has nothing to do with ice. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure the next thing Lincoln's going to be doing is uh, is changing the colors on, on people's outfits and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's, that seems like the logical place they're going to go with that. Uh, interesting stuff with Hive. And we've got the the outlet, I guess, that you plug the treasure planet map into. And it's the one thing that can destroy him. So that's what I figured the ball was as we were watching. I figured it was it was the thing that that had been used to banish him. So, But apparently it's it's not a banishing thing. It's a destroying thing. So we'll see. I'm still holding out hope for Deathlock. Oh, and one more thing. They have finally hung a lampshade on the father-daughter relationship between Coulson and Daisy. And wow, a little bit unexpected here, but we are they've they've hung a, they've hung a lampshade on it. They've called it out, and it's it's what we've always been saying. Coulson's the dad, May's the mom, and Sky is the daughter. And Coulson has said now she's the closest thing to a daughter I have. And it's nice. It's nice. I like it. They've said it for what it is. And I hope that we we flesh it out even more when Daisy eventually does come back to the team. Because Daisy, she does. She needs a family. And the S.H.I.E.L.D. team, it's close, but it's not... It's not as intimate as a real family, and that's what she's craving, I think. And I hope we we can get into some of that 
territory with Coulson and Daisy. Uh, you know, it, in my mind, I just want him to straight up adopt her. And that's really cheesy. They're not going to do that. But I'd be okay with that. Okay, I'm just, we're going to keep, we're going to keep watching the show now. Okay, one more act, one more pleasant surprise. <laughs> wow. Always thought it'd be cool for the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. to have a S.H.I.E.L.D. And I wholeheartedly agree. That was an awesome moment. And when I realized what I was seeing, I'll admit it, I laughed out loud. It was one of those laughs of, oh, yeah, <laughs> they did that. That is so much fun. Ah, oh, Coulson and his mentor, not his mentor, his idol, his idol. He has his own <laughs> shield. That was awesome. That was <laughs> so cool. So much fun to see. And I'll say it was an earned, an earned moment. And it completely made me forget how stupid it was for whoever left the bombs there to give it an audible beeping sound that lets people know it's about to explode. I mean, if you are into the whole evil villaining thing, you know, don't give the warning. Just let it blow up. Nobody would even know the difference. And that's what you want. You don't want them to know the difference. If they knew the difference, that's why they were able to all escape. And yeah, it led to the awesome use of the shield. But really, I mean, this goes back to what Evan was saying with the whole, you know, you've got your glasses. Does it do, you know, makes an audible whir or whatever. If you want to be, you know, quiet, if you want to let it be, a secret that this is happening. You know, you, you don't want the, the extra sound. I get it. I get it. TV computers make sounds that real computers don't make. So every little thing that happens from one hard drive to another, there's audible sounds. But dude, when you're setting your bomb, you don't put an audible warning to the people who you're trying to set the trap for. That's my little bit of villain advice for the episode. Now, it's a minor, minor detail, and it's really not that big of a deal, especially since it does lead us to that moment with Coulson's hand shield, uh, which may gets in a little bit, a little dig there, handy, ha, ha, ha. Tells him to get a cybernetic leg. He says it's too soon. That's funny. That's good stuff. And then from there, you also have the stuff going on with Fitzsimmons where they're being split up. The, you know, Anon is calling people in. The doctor is interested in what they have to do. Uh, oh, the stabbing of the eyeball was, you know, one of those moments. But then Daisy comes through the door. Wasn't expecting that. Was not expecting. Hive and Daisy to show up here. Uh, in this part of things, uh, Hive confronting Simmons. Uh, I think this is probably the last thing I'm going to say about this act. Hive confronts Simmons. And he doesn't confront her in the third person. 
And what I mean by that, I mean he uses the first person. When he comes to her, he says, you said that about me once. I won't leave without fits. You said that about me once. He's talking as the astronaut. He is not talking about the astronaut. He is not talking about one part of many, like you said that to one of us once. No, he's going full first person. You said that about me once. And so you have this element, again, of one personality. I don't know if it's taking over the other ones or if it's just coming to the forefront and being allowed to uh, being allowed to express itself. But this is, it, it was a nice moment, and it was, honestly, it was an unexpected moment. This episode has been the episode of unexpected moments, and I'm enjoying it. Again, not my favorite episode ever. Not yet. Oh, that shield thing might, that shield thing definitely helped to get it to a point where this could be a favorite episode ever. It depends on what they do with James. And it depends on what they do with this whole transhuman stuff. But the setup itself, this is this is good. And I'm going to turn things over to Evan for a moment here. And then we're going to get rolling with the next act. But yeah, this, this episode, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Well, now I'm just tense. I'm just tense because... Everything is ruined. Um, Hive is there. He's going to be Grant Ward talking to Gemma. And we got Sky, and she's confronting Fitz. And we're going to have some mind control versus what you really are feeling. And it's just going to be tense. And I'm, I'm tense just even thinking about it. Um, Man, some more some more gross stuff happening in this episode. On par with uh, with our previous episodes, where Gemma just sticks that needle right in that guy's eye, just right in his eye. It was gross. Um, and yeah, then we had some cool revelations about Coulson, who has a Captain America style energy shield built into his hand. That's kind of cool. That is kind of cool. All right. Okay, I'm tense, so we're going to just brace ourselves for the tenseness, and uh, we're going to watch what happens after the commercial. Okay, so final act, and we have basically four different conflicts coming to a resolution here. Uh, We have hand-to-hand conflict with uh, James and Mac, which just briefly to talk about, it was a fun moment. James is a fun character, and uh, he's even more fun with powers, I think. And I like his search for a name. Inferno is good. Firestarter, he says, feels 90s. Although, I mean, they did the sequel to Firestarter in the 90s. But Firestarter, the movie and the book, weren't those from the 80s? I'm pretty sure those were more 80s than 90s. But maybe Firestarter just feels 90s to him. I, I don't know. doesn't matter. It's a fun moment. Uh, James versus Mac was a fun little fight, and that's all I have to say about that. The other conflict is Shield versus Hydra. Really, 
uh, where Talbot is going in on all of these missions and they are cutting off the head. And I don't know if this was intentional or what it was meant to be because I couldn't tell like what would this mean in the context of actual real time sound effects. But as Talbot is giving the report and says the head has been cut, the head has been cut or whatever, there was a sound, a, a swoosh sound, like a knife cutting through the air. And I wonder if that was supposed to be something that's that's actually environmental to the order that or whatever that has been given or something like that, or if it's just meant to be a an audio cue of something that's you know metaphorical of this you know this swinging the sword to cut off the head or if i'm just hearing things i mean it really could be any one of those three and i'm not going to discount i'm just hearing things it is quite possible that i was hearing things that i should not have been hearing that just aren't even there i don't know i'll i'll i don't think there's any way for me to to find out but that moment the whole moment with colson and may and Colson finding out why Talbot is, you know, not really wanting them to do much right then. Colson is holding in his hands a Captain America trading card. Not just a Captain America trading card. He is holding in his hands a Captain America trading card that has blood on it. I am positive. I rewound it. I looked at the frame. I saw what he's holding in his hands. And I, it is quite possible I may be wrong. I'm watching on my laptop, which is, I guess, HD. I, I think it's a MacBook Pro, but I, I don't know if it is HD or not. But I'm not watching it on a big screen is the point. So it's possible that I'm seeing something that's not there. Hey, if I'm already hearing things, I guess I could be seeing things too. But uh, And it's not a happy moment. It's not a happy moment, but one fell swoop and it looks like the higher-ups in Hydra are gone, which is interesting because Hive and his team now, Hive and Daisy especially, they're talking about their mission, which is to you know create a new world. And they're saying, you can stay out of our way and we're not going to bother you. We're not going to hurt you, but we're, we're doing this. Just stay out of our way. It's not Hydra talk anymore. It's Hive talk now. That's what's happening here. Let's see another uh, conflict. Okay, we'll we'll do. Well, there's Daisy and Fitz, which we were just I was just talking about. Daisy with Fitz holding him up against the wall, doing a force choke with her quake powers, and then threatening to say, you know, next time if you don't stay out of the way, next time I am using. My powers to destroy you. I'm going to break your neck. What an awful scene. I mean, they used to be friends. He used to have a crush on her. He used to have a crush on her. And I think Simmons used to have a little bit of a crush on Ward, too. But both of these people, Gemma and Fitz, are facing off with someone who they used to have romantic inclinations for. Now, with Gemma... You could say that about Ward maybe a little bit, but you can definitely say that about the astronaut, who I can't remember his name. So with Mac, you have the the great bar fight with the fire stuff going on and the alcohol blowing up and everything like that. 
with Coulson, you have the the army going around or Talbot's people. I, I think he's army, but I don't know how many other if you, you know if he's in charge of any other branches or anything for these strikes that he's doing. And then you have Daisy versus Fitz. Fitz is pretty much outclassed. He's not going to be able to do anything, but it's ideological. She's saying, leave us alone. I don't want to hurt you. I have found a family where I belong. Finally, you have the toughest conflict. That's Gemma versus Hive. And remember how I was saying he was talking about himself in the first person. He's doing it again. He's, he's talking to himself or talking to her as if it is the astronaut, not Hive. And is this manipulation? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. But, but his memories are in there. I love her line where she says, just because you stole his memories doesn't mean you get to be him. He's dead. And I was waiting for her to take the shot. And finally she did. People are taking shots. Uh, Coulson pulled the trigger himself. Simmons pulled the trigger herself. May was the one who empowered Simmons to pull the trigger. And then May is saying to Coulson, I'm pulling the trigger for you. And then Coulson ends up having to pull the trigger himself because May is knocked down. And so here Simmons is taking the she's she's pulling the trigger. She she unloads her gun into his belly and then she runs off before she can see what actually happened to him before we can see what actually happened to him. What's happened to him? Well, I don't think he's dead. I don't know how hurt he is, but he's not dead. I'm I'm pretty sure that he's not dead. Why? I mean, we're not done with the season yet. So those are the the big conflicts going on. And then you have the final scene where they meet up at the rendezvous point. (sighs) Guys. Guys, can we talk about appropriate timing for things like this? Mac is checking on the Quinjet. Now, is that code? Maybe checking on the Quinjet means he's going to stay up there as long as we have this nice hotel room. He's going to leave us alone until we're done with what we're doing, maybe. Or maybe Gemma and Fitz are just going to put a sock on the doorknob to make sure that Mac knows not to come back in. But it just seems to me, I mean, James Bond, yes, he would do this kind of thing in the middle of a mission all the time. But for Fitzsimmons... You know, they're, they're not exactly professionals. I mean, they are. Well, actually, they are exactly professionals. Let me let me rephrase. For them, they just finished the mission. I understand, you know, their, their testosterone levels are up, uh, at least for Fitz. I'm not sure what's happening with, with Gemma, but, you know, the, the blood is going. You know, they're, they're excited and everything. But wait till you get home, you know. Wait until you get home. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know how I feel about this relationship already. Anyway, I wanted them to stay friends. And yes, this whole event horizon kind of thing they're talking about. Guess what? That's exactly what I'm talking about. You hit a point where you cannot return. I just watched Disney's The Black Hole for my other podcast for Strangers and Aliens. And so I know all about that point of no return where your spaceship 
cannot escape the gravitational pull of the black hole. And they are caught in the gravitational pull of their love. And yes, I did just use Disney's The Black Hole to create a metaphor for love. And I do not apologize for it. I, I cannot apologize for it. But you know what? If we can do Star Trek, Daniel, this black hole, Disney's black hole, it's for you, buddy. It's for you. There's certain things I won't do for you. There's certain things I won't say for you. But I'll throw in a Disney reference here for you right there. So I, I guess uh, standout moments include the Captain America card and the Captain America shield. And those are definitely some Civil War tie-ins if I ever saw them. Uh, Captain America references anyway. Beyond that, I like the expanded world that they're kind of playing with here. And I've already said that. I'm just repeating myself. So I'm just going to say, again, I like this episode. Liked where it took us. I'm curious where we're going. I'm going to record one more thing after the tag scene just to talk about the tag scene. And then we'll get into the listener feedback. And I think we're going to just jump in and do it all. Uh, I think we're just going to do all the listener feedback that we have. And I'm going to read the messages and, and what have you. I, I've got the time now. Um, so I, since I do, so I have this pocket of time. I think I'm going to use it. I'm not sure when the episode is going to get out. It's going to be late. I already know that. But I think it's going to be later than I thought it was going to be. Because I'm recording later than I thought I was going to. But yeah, from here, we'll do... The, my, my reflections on the tag scene and then we'll get into the whole uh, uh, listener feedback. So, And I do want to thank you for those who called in but why am I thanking you now? I should be thanking you later. So I'm stopping now to watch the tag but first, here's Evan's thoughts. Alright, we've had our final conflict for the episode, I think. Uh, Mac versus Burning Man. And uh, Fitz versus Daisy. Daisy's speech is terrifying and awful. Uh, yep, she, like we talked about earlier in the episode, she is, she's an addict. She's addicted to Hive, and she is behaving like an addict. Uh, she's not, you know, she's, she's denying that there's a problem. Everything, it, it completes her. And she's she cares about Fitz still, but she's not gonna let him stand in the way of feeling what she feels, which is why uh, solely relying on listening to your feelings is never a good idea. Feelings are there for a reason; uh, they're a God-given thing. But if you let them rule your life, they're a terrible, terrible master. Daisy. And then we had ooh, Hive and Gemma, and he is uh, recalling the memories not of Ward, but of Astronaut Man. And I, his name is escaping me at the moment. But Astronaut Man is, is maybe talking to Gemma, or it's just Hive using the memories to manipulate, because like Gemma said, he, uh, he said the creature would do anything to trick her. And she's not falling for it. She is, she's not letting it get to her. She shoots him in the belly, which was great. And he's bleeding maple syrup, uh, which just goes to show you that he's an alien. 
and I want to see more tentacle head hive because he's an alien. Lincoln has disappeared because Coulson has uh, he's he's benched him. And then we have surprisingly the end of Hydra. And I guess this had to happen because in you know in the movie universe Hydra is is has been taken down as of Age of Ultron uh, for people who aren't following the show. So they had to end it on the show sometime so the show can line up better with the movie universe and what's going on. So Hydra is gone thanks to General Talbot and thanks to Malik's intel. It should have been a great day. Should have been a great day. Uh, and for Fitz and Simmons, it's still a great day. Uh, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of awkward now that they're going to this place. But, you know, maybe it's just because we've known them so well throughout these seasons. But, meh. What are you going to do? They're in love. Okay. Uh, I'm going to watch the post credit. Well, <laughs> okay, so not a lot necessarily to talk about here, but uh, I bought us a town, not the most um, ominous of phrases to end an episode on. Uh, the intent is to be ominous. I guess if we knew more about the ominousness behind buying the town, That'd be one thing. But this is, you know, going back to that episode where they were talking about what do we do with the inhuman problem. And in Russia, they're planning on, you know, putting them up in Siberia. Well, here we have it. Here we have a town that is just dedicated. This is, to to go back to G.I. Joe, this is Springfield, basically, I guess. This is going to be the, you know, the normal, what, Pleasant Hill, even a little bit. If you listen to the comic episode. This is going to be the just everyday, live-a-day place with homes for Inhumans, a general store for them. Uh, is this Hive's version of uh, Paradise, where he is going to store and train and raise his army? Interesting. I mean, the... Again, this whole episode is all about potential and all about uh, living up to the potential of ideas that we have had presented in the context of, well, a few seasons of TV, but also of these movies. And so, again, uh, not the most ominous of things when you really sit down to think of it. I bought us a town. Great. What are we going to do with it? You know, but... While it may not be the most ominous when it's words on paper, the idea here, where are they going with this? There is some real potential for them to do some really interesting and fun conflict and, again, play out and tease out some of these ideas of really, I mean, it's X-Men stuff, which I guess you could even say this is uh, what the island of uh, Madripoor or however you say that. Or the island, uh, or not the island, but uh, Xavier's mansion, even, where here is our spot. We are going to collect here. The difference being they are creating basically ground zero 
for the inhuman expansion and takeover of the world. So, I bought us a town, not very ominous, but the possibilities and potential here are. So, I'm going to turn things over now to Evan, and then we're going to look at listener feedback. And I'm probably not going to play the regular sounder. I'm probably just going to stick with the ones that I have because it's easier, and I want to get this episode done. Okay, in our tag scene, Hive has bought an entire town, and they are going to recreate the Cree experiments that initially gave birth to the Inhumans. So they are going to transform humanity into Inhumans is what I'm getting out of this. So interesting way to go. I did not expect that, and I, I'm liking it. I'm liking that it's not like he said, it's not a war and it's not it's not an extinction of the human race like Ultron was trying to do. He wants to remake the human race into Inhumans and therefore they'll all be united, but they'll all be united under him, which kind of rules out the whole free will thing, which is never good. It's never good. Um, unfortunately, I was wrong. Deathlock did not appear, even though this was the perfect episode for him to appear. Maybe he'll be in the next one. Maybe, yeah, maybe Graviton will show up, sure, okay. Anyway, I liked this episode. It was a good episode. Uh, looking forward to seeing where we go from here. Okay, agents, this is Agent Evan signing off. And a big uh, thanks to Evan for uh, adding to the discussion, whether it's even though it wasn't face to face as it was actually or not. It wasn't even on Skype. But uh, I appreciate that helps uh, add some voices to the conversation. And now I'm adding some more voices to the conversation here with the listener feedback or the uh, field intelligence uh, with listener feedback. So first, we've got a message from Agent Brooke, and this came through Facebook. And she said, got a question for your Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, Season 3, Episode 18, The Singularity. I'd love your feedback. Just a question I'm curious to know your thoughts on. In tonight's episode, The Singularity, do you think that maybe Hive, Ward, got to Fitz after Daisy released him, but before he made it back to the room to meet back up with Simmons? After all... When they were initially getting separated, Fitz yelled to Simmons to meet up at the rendezvous point, which is what she reiterated to Mac back in the room. But when Fitz finally does arrive in the hotel room, she asks him where he's been, and he says, looking for you. Then, of course, they get all kissy-kissy with a, a wink emoticon here. Wouldn't Fitz have mentioned he ran into Daisy? Or wouldn't he have went straight to the rendezvous point first before looking other places when they specifically made plans to meet up there? Or were they both just overcome with emotion from the night and had their eye on the prize, kissy kissy time, to be concerned with those things? Or am I totally overthinking this? Help me out here. And uh, I don't know what Agent Daniel would say, Agent Brooke, but I think you are not overthinking this. Uh, I'd be curious to hear what other listeners might have to say about this question, but it seems to me that there quite possibly could have been something there, except that Hive's powers 
aren't over humans. So unless Fitz was an inhuman, Hive wouldn't be able to take control of him. But you are pointing out some things that are they're problems for me too. I mean, wouldn't the first thing he had done, once he gets back, the first thing he should have done, we got things to talk about. For example, our feelings. That's one thing. But here's something else we need to talk about, Simmons, and that's I just saw Daisy. And then Simmons could say, and I just shot Ward. You know, I mean, there's there's conversations to be had there, but they were skipping all of that and moving straight to the, the singularity, if you would, the event horizon where there is a point of no return. So I agree. There's some stuff going on here that doesn't quite fit the situation. I just don't think it's hive controlling fits. Uh, or, or if it is hive controlling fits, it would have to be some kind of manipulative control not mind control but yeah you you point out some very very good problems with the scene um I, and i don't know if they're going to bother with with addressing those problems because honestly maybe the writers don't consider them problems so moving on into some more written feedback that we got uh this is from agent kurt and the subject line is thoughts on the singularity Howdy, gents. Agent Kurt here to talk about some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I have to say that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is getting more intriguing with each new episode that's revealed. I'm loving the character development, new storylines and mythology, and the callbacks to previous seasons. Right now, I love Hive. He's not your typical kind of villain in the sense that he has no proper evil personality or charisma. He just talks and looks very cool. But his thought process and plans for improving the Earth within humans by his side is simply fascinating to me. It's like he's playing a game of chess and is several moves ahead of everyone else. So when Coulson and his S.H.I.E.L.D. team attempt to do something, Hive's already beaten them to the punch, already being turned when Lincoln meets her, or how Daisy and Alicia are able to steal Holden Radcliffe away from Fitz. That guy is making movements, and I love it. I also want to talk about Fitzsimmons. I like how they went to team up with Mac and go undercover to find Radcliffe. Since I didn't get a chance to comment on last week's mini advance in Fitzsimmons' relationship, I'd like to touch upon it here. While I understand Ben's perspective on them being just friends with a deep level of admiration for each other, and I would have been fine with it, however, you know I have been championing this pair for ages, and I adore them as a couple, more so than anyone else on the show. Their relationship is the one that deserves to work. They've had the development since season one, and it's not been rushed or forced. Cough, Daisy and Lincoln, cough. And while they're acting like children who fancy each other on the playground, especially before they sleep together, you can tell that their feelings are real, regardless of how cheesy it may be. Seeing them together warms my soul, and after all the relationship drama and fallout that's befallen Colson, May, Daisy, and so on, it's about time we had something nice. Beyond that, there were some really interesting and deep conversations between Coulson and May, Hive and Daisy, and Fitz and Daisy, even though Daisy did most of the talking as she essentially was forced choking Fitz. I also like seeing the return of James and finding out he was indeed an inhuman with combustible abilities, and I loved his reference to Prodigy with the name Firestarter. 
I really want to see what Holden Radcliffe does in those these future episodes, and I hope it's something significant, because I do like seeing John Hanna, whether he be on TV or film. And was it me, or did the dismantling of Hydra feel like a little strange seeing it from monitors rather than being there in person, watching these several locations being destroyed with Talbot? Well, that's me done. Keep fighting the good fight, Ben and Nevin, and Daniel, wherever you are. Know that you have my support. Agent Kurt out. P.S. How cool was Coulson's hand shield? And how cool was Coulson's hand shield? It was so cool. It made... It was so cool that Simmons' hands were cold. That's how cool Coulson's hand shield was. And she wasn't even there to be near it to touch it. Uh, Okay, so talking about being there in person rather than watching it on monitors... Uh, I'm reminded a little bit of the way that they watched the events of Winter Soldier go down in those tie-in episodes. But I'm also reminded of the you know situation rooms that you see, these situations with uh, politicians, you know, presidents watching. Now, not, not that I've seen this in real life, but I've seen this in movies of presidents watching like uh, a drone strike or a ground strike against someone and they're watching it, you know, on a monitor through you know night vision from a satellite or something like that and where it's just pictures on a screen and being there yes it would have given them or given us rather a more visceral we are here in the moment but for colson and may it was a cold moment where they were just watching images that they had no connection to other than it was a conflict they had a connection to that they weren't even getting to be able to do the final battle for that conflict. And I like what Evan said, you know, about having to tie up things, you know, shield can stay secret and it makes sense that shield would want to stay secret, but then you have this other organization trying to stay secret too, Hydra and Hydra. Does it want to stay secret? I don't know. You know what would end up happening with that? But it makes sense to, you know, completely dismantle them here. And now our conflict is not S.H.I.E.L.D. versus HYDRA. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. versus HIVE. So, yeah. But seeing it on the monitors, I think, is meant to be an emotional closure. And not closure in the sense of giving us closure, but closure in the sense of closing off the emotions, making it cold and disconnected. Now, that said, I really would have liked to have at least had our team be a part of all of that. And since they weren't a part of all of that, I want to see fallout for them not being a part of all of that. Next up, from Agent uh, Yari, Jari, I... He told me it's okay to mispronounce it. He also told me how to pronounce it. But anyway, subject, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3, Episode 16, The Singularity. Just two things at this point. First, I just gotta love this version of mind control finally being used in something noteworthy. No robotic nonsense or questions about the real person wrestling with some weird and immediate copy of themselves. I mean, it's her brain. Of course she is who she is. And there's sometimes a lot of stuff up there. So of course there would be conflict inside of her. People have that, even without these particular kind of parasites. But if that is what the thing is designed to do, and it is, 
then it will weigh more than the rest. So at least more than any particular one particular memory, connection, or feeling. It uses what's in there, but there's always something. Withdrawal, love, uh, conversion, puberty, phobias, love, you know what I mean? And a lot of other things can do something similar at times. It's great stuff. And no, it does not hurt the concept of soul if you accept that as more of a possibility. To live and make choices as a record to be held, understood when read much later like a record. Not some secretly present, fully defining, yet wholly and completely untouchable dumping of energy. It could be more like a whole, opened, seen through, and closed, then opened again, and ta-da, something. That's not the point, though. Point is, a big part of us is in our brains. Those who deny that, well, insert ironic comment here. If and when Hive does get into someone, it makes sense and looks so good, although that's not completely new, to be that person still. Second, I really hope that James got that other object from somewhere else other than Jaying's record room because Gordon would be truly without highs if that was the idea here. Sorry this didn't work out. Let me just jaunt us out of this secret location. Do you have everything you took when you came? I mean, I'm fine if you hid some stones in a jar or something as a keepsake, but that's about it. Oh, right. The tractor was yours too, right? I might have to ship it out because it's huge. But yeah, whatever. Maybe it wasn't that big and maybe it was just the perspective. Well, hey, uh, was that the guy from The Mummy? Never mind. Now, where was I? All right. I was about to touch the light to get all my questions answered and feel the joy of singularity. Wait, wrong show. Uh, Okay, so um, as far as perspective, uh, the hole was big. Uh, Big enough for May and Coulson to both jump into it, be protected with their shield. Uh, from the explosion. Uh, so yeah, you make a good point that he was able to just... Because he didn't leave. It's not like he took stuff and ran away. He took stuff and was sent away, right? And even if he did run away, that was a pretty big hunk of metal, it looked like. So... All right, well, that's the written comments. I now am going to start playing some of the the recorded comments that were sent to us by voicemail or also by sending it in an email mp3 form to feedback at welcome to level seven dot com so let's start playing let's see the first one here hello my friends it's kind of one way because i listen to you guys every week and you don't have a hot clue who i am but just want to let you know i totally love geeking out with you guys every week I uh, had an extra level of that when the watchdog were brought on. That was my favorite stretch as a kid, seeing seeing that story take place in the comics uh, with Walker's parents getting shot up and everything. It was just the most graphic thing I'd ever seen. And now, uh, what a callback. Loving it. And uh don't know if they're going to do anything with the Scourge. Seeing if maybe, uh, maybe he makes an appearance in... TV or movies, but uh, that was another character that I thought could have could have done more in the comics. That was kind of a, a cleanup scene for Marvel. I thought it was kind of funny, but uh, yeah, love when other shows going. Love love the callback to great Captain America comics, and appreciate it as a as a long time Captain America comic collector, and almost finalizing the completionist in me with with his uh, series from 100 on. So, anyways, take care, boys. 
totally, uh, like I said, totally appreciate you guys, and uh, I'll keep listening. Take care. Oh, man, the scourge. That is, you know, I have these, some Captain America collections, and the, there's the, the Captain with John Walker, where he becomes U.S. agent, and then there's Scourge of the Underworld, which is it's a weird collection because it includes, like, one or two pages from different issues of comics that are just, the way it's described on the back is that, that it collects Captain America 318 through 320, U.S. Agent 1 through 4, and Amazing Spider-Man 278. It also collects material from Captain America number 358 through 362, and Mar- Marvel Fan Theory number 29, and Scourge Kills Villains pages from throughout the Marvel Universe. So it's like, there's just this broad range of just these short pages where Scourge is going around killing villains and he's kind of a punisher type of thing and it's it's a great uh storyline uh through it's just the differences with this and with the captain storyline is that the captain storyline it just goes through the captain america uh series this one it's all over the place and captain america's then because of things happening in the other you know corners of the marvel universe Captain America is the one who's taking care of of that villain and, and messing around with with Scourge, but then U.S. Agent gets to because there's other Scourges and uh, yeah, that would be a great MCU thing to bring in here on uh, on Marvel's Agents of Shield uh, actually because of what they're doing. Maybe later, maybe Scourge could be a villain for you know after Hive is taken care of or something like that. But yeah, someone is going around killing Inhumans. Of course, we've had that with Heroes Reborn. We've had that with Heroes Reborn, and we've had that with Jessica Jones. But we could do it again, and we could do it right, especially if they keep that costume with like the the skull looking head and the um, like pilgrimy hat, and yeah. Okay, so next message, and again, I'm just going through these in order. I'm not sure who's coming up where. I know there's a couple from Daniel in here, but I'm not sure what order they're going to come in. So these are just the order received, and. I'm just playing without listening. So, well, I'm listening, but I haven't listened to them ahead of time. I'm playing them now, not having listened to them before. Let's put it that way. Hello, Ben and Daniel and Cheap Renta Daniel. I just needed to call in and talk about this episode, The Team. Actually, I have two things I need to say. The first thing is, you may recall a voicemail from earlier in the season where I said, I really am a little sick of them perpetuating the Grant Ward character. And I know he's not really Grant Ward. He's like Hive Ward slash everything else that's stuck in him, squid head guy. But I have to admit, it paid off. The writers have done a good job, especially with the turning of Daisy and how we found out that all the personalities that he's inhabited are in there. So we've got stuff tension with Ward and Coulson, with Ward and May, with Ward and Fitzsimmons, with Ward and Daisy. I mean, this is wonderful. It's turning out wonderfully. Now, the other thing that we have found out here, too, is that the hive spores, once they inhabit a human, they do not appear to be contagious it appears at this point that you need to be in the presence of Hive in order to be infected by these 
spores, which is really, really cool uh, because otherwise it would have just been easy enough for Daisy to take over the whole team after coming back. And it's very clear now what Hive is planning to do, and that is amass an army of Inhumans because Daisy went and got the Terrigen crystals on the way out. She's got the little uh, Kree globy thingy. These are all things that I'm looking forward to seeing in the upcoming episodes. There's only five left. I can't believe it. How are they going to wrap all this up? They're probably not. They're going to leave us hanging. Anyway, great job, guys. Uh, your low-rent Daniel Butcher is doing great on the podcast. I think you're getting every penny's worth out of him. Keep up the great work, guys. Bye. I'm glad to hear that we are getting every penny's worth out of Agent Evan. Uh, I have paid him a penny, and I, 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 yeah, absolutely, I got what I paid for, and uh, maybe even a little bit more. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, the low rent Daniel. Well, you know, Daniel was a high rent guy, a high rent kind of guy. So. Yeah, I also can't believe there's only five episodes left. Of course, now there's less because this feedback was sent in about an earlier episode. Yeah, this this season is moving along very, very, very quickly. This whole year is moving along very quickly. It's crazy that we're almost done with not just this TV season, but the school year and all these things. are. I mean, summer is almost upon us. And uh, yeah, so and when summer comes, we'll start our Daredevil coverage and... I'm not sure exactly uh, when that will start, but uh, I've got some plans for how that's going to work. I also have to finish Jessica Jones coverage, so there's there's that. Hello, agents. I am here doing reconnaissance at the Walt Disney World Hotel and Resort, specifically the Magic Kingdom. I wonder if Doctor Strange knows about this. Anyway, I'm here, and we're having a great time, having fun walking around doing stuff. And I will check in tomorrow from Disney Hollywood Studios and see what anything Marvel is happening. Talk to you guys later. Love the show. Thanks. Bye. This is Stuart from the UP, but really in Florida now, where it's much warmer. Bye. Hmm. Never made that connection. The the Magic Kingdom. And that makes me make the connection of who could team up with Doctor Strange, but Mickey as a Sorcerer's Apprentice, I'm... Sure, it has appeared somewhere before, but I only have made the connection myself just now. So I'm proud of myself for making the connection before I saw someone else make the connection. But I'm not proud of myself because I'm not the first person to make that connection. I'm positive. I'm sure I just put it in and and there'll be something from DeviantArt from 1973. But uh, although DeviantArt wasn't around that long. But you, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Okay, next message. Hello, agents. Uh, this is Stuart again. I'm calling in from sunny Florida in the middle of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Not a Marvel thing to be seen so far. It's kind of weird. I would have thought. Um, there's some sort of star trek thing, I think. It's star, something, something galactic. Maybe it's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I'm just not seeing it. So, uh, hopefully we'll get to see, um, some, some Star Lord or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully the Force will be with Mr. Star-Lord. Anyway, I am seeing, which is really interesting, and I just got my bubble thinking. What if 
we see an Agent Carter thing in the whole, uh, you know, like a diner or a, a, a telephone thing from the first season in all the New York uh, backlot. Daniel, this is where you chime in and say, yeah, so I think this is absolutely true, and this is what will happen because Disney is synergy. Anyway, guys, love the show. Talk to you later. Bye. Daniel, he knows you so well. I, I thought actually for a moment there that you had Daniel on the phone with you, but uh, not because of voice, but because of words. You, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, thanks, Agent Stu, for uh, for leaving that message. And let's see. Let's hear our next message. Hello, agents. Agent Daniel here, traveling across America in the field, looking for inhumans wherever I go. Tonight, I took part of I witnessed. Marvel Universe Live. I don't know if there's going to be more shows, but I will say this. The show I was at was a packed house. And why not? All the Avengers were there. Cap, Iron Man, Captain Marvel. There was even Hulk and Wolverine. You know what there also was? There was a lot of explosions, a lot of fireworks, a lot of villains, a lot of punchy, punchy motorcycles. Basically, if you've seen Disney on Ice, this is not Disney on Ice. This is Disney on stunts with motorcycles and fire and whips. Oh, my. I'll be honest, I've seen Batman Live, which was a hot mess. But Marvel Universe Live is really, it's no warm rubbish. It's its a good show. I mean, I think kids are going to love it. The kids that were with me did enjoy it quite a bit. Adults. Well, except for you, sir. Yeah, yes, I saw you, sir. The man in the, the grown man in the entire Captain America costume. I saw you. I saw you. So there were some adults there that were definitely digging this. I had an adult next to me who was clapping and cheering the whole time, just like the children sitting next to me. So I say, if you have an opportunity to catch Marvel Universe live, you should do it if they're going to continue to offer them. I don't know if it's going to tour anymore, but I think if it, if Build entertainment and Disney's learned anything thanks to Disney on Ice. It's how to make money. So I'm expecting to see them come back around again. So there you go, my friends, my fellow agents. Just one agent reporting in about Marvel Universe Live. I gave it three and a half stars. I gave it an extra star just because of the enjoyment it gave the children. All right. Everyone behave. Peace out later. Bye. Boom! There was the first of a couple messages from Daniel. Uh, I am not sure when the next one will come, but it, it is coming. And that was from, well, I guess this is now two field reports from different places reporting in on, on Disney and and Marvel and Synergy. And it's all connected. It's all connected. I'm, I'm saying it for you there, Daniel. There's one thing I won't say for you. I'm glad you got it in. Always a pleasure, Daniel, to hear you even when you utter that phrase that I hate so, so much. Next message is from I don't know who, but I'm going to play it now. Ah, uh, Agents. Agent Daniel here. The rain means I get to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from two weeks ago. The team. I just got done watching the team. You know what, guys? That escalated quickly. Secret Warriors wasn't around for long. That's all I've got to say. Not long at all. 
seriously, who's feeling for Lincoln right now? I guess in the end we knew that Daisy had to be the infected one, but I'm not going to put Daisy on that death watch. No, I'm going to put her on the cure watch. You go Fitzsimmons, you romantic duo, you. Please, please go find us a hot mess of a, a cure to make our girl, our super gurgler, good again. Hey, do you notice the we? There's a lot of we. She's definitely identifying with the team. The infection makes you part of this. And can he sense her? Does he know where she's at? Is she in communication? Because he knows all about Malik. Is he got some extra sensory perception with his hive. All right. Well, I'm going to go watch something else, Marvel, now. Peace out later. Bye. Yeah, uh, I would agree. I put her on Cure Watch. They are going to do everything they can to get her back. And we didn't talk about it much here, but I think, you know, her attack on Fitz, that changes things. Not a lot, but it does change things about how he feels uh, I, w- I would think anyway about Daisy. He has been threatened by her. He has been hurt by her. And this is just like Gemma getting getting hurt by Inhumans and not trusting Inhumans at all. So, all right, let's get a couple more messages in here. I think we only have one or two left. No, I think there's two left. So here's the first of two. Hey guys, uh, this is Agent Jessica calling in. Um, I wanted to leave my feedback on the Singularity episode. So. Um, my favorite, I guess the best moment for me in the episode was, um, seeing the tech in Coulson's hand become a shield. I thought that was pretty epic. Um, I, I don't know. I wasn't really expecting it. So I guess that's part of why I thought it was neat. But, um, and the fact that it looked like Captain America's shield was pretty cool. Um, my least favorite part was probably, um, seeing Daisy choking fits um like you could kind of see she was out of control and stuff but um the fact that she was causing fits to not be able to breathe kind of brought back memories from um what ward did to him so i kind of thought that was not cool (laughs) um and seeing daisy cares so much about the team do something like that um that was pretty horrible so um but my other thoughts on the episode, uh, really the the main thing I was thinking about was I think that Lincoln might have some, uh, the key to kind of defeating Hive. I, like one way or another, I don't know, um, if he, if it, his, his addiction in the past to like maybe can help him be, be more resistant to it where they just aren't playing on the addiction. Um, effects from Hive, but I don't know if that will also, I could see it going the other way, so I don't know if it would actually make things worse where he's, in the past, he's an addict, so. Um, But the other thing with his electricity powers, um, I was kind of researching a tiny bit, but I saw there was uh, the scene uh, called electro cleansing, and it kind of, like a low current in the bloodstream can kind of help this in theory, supposed to help kill bacteria and parasites. So if it really is a parasite that's infected the humans, then maybe, I don't know, Lincoln could zap them and they would, I don't know, stop being affected by hives. 
So that's just kind of a theory. It'd be interesting to see if that's where they go with it. But um, I don't know. I don't think I really have anything else to say right now. I might uh, write in a little bit too, but um, thanks again for the podcast. And I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to say. Agent Jessica signing off. Okay. Agent Jessica. So I'm not using my usual setup. Obviously, I'm set up in a hotel <laughs> doing things differently. But uh, uh, if I had my usual setup, I'd be able to just press one button to do this. But instead, what's actually going to happen, just to give you a little peek behind the curtain, I'm going to stop recording here in just a moment. And I'm going to have to search through some files, find the thing I'm about to play, drop it into GarageBand. And honestly, I wasn't planning on doing this at all. Your message, though, had these some really good connections in there. The idea of they have gone out of their way to describe the whole thing with Hive as an addiction. And yes, so now you have this addict who has gone through addiction and has come through on the other side with it. And uh, there's connection one. What was the other connections you had made? Uh, there was the connection with, oh, the breathing with fits and how she was choking him and there's just a a callback in some ways i don't know if it's intentional by the writers but yeah uh it's it's absolutely right there and then the research about electrotherapy i don't i don't know if you were doing it and i don't know if i got the phrase right but i don't know if you were doing it for uh you know because you're looking into what lincoln could possibly do with his powers or if it was something else on your end but that also is means I'm going to be stopping recording, finding the file, and playing the file. So I'm going to stop recording right now. You won't know because I'll have stopped recording. But here it comes. The new prize winner of the day. Okay, so it didn't actually take that long to find, but um, it wasn't what I had planned to do. I, I was planning on just getting through without a no prize. But when you deserve it, you deserve it. And you deserve it. Agent Jessica, it is not going to be in the mail anytime soon. Hope you enjoy or don't enjoy since you can't enjoy what you don't have and you can't have what's not given and a no prize is not given to you. Uh, I think I'm going to turn to our last message now (laughs) before things get a little more awkward with my wordage. Ben, Daniel, this is Jeff calling from Missouri. Never called before, but it's been a couple letters. Just uh, wanted to maybe get in probably a little bit late for the feedback episode. Uh, Wanted to tell you my favorite part of the last episode was the transhuman bar in Eastern Europe. Sort of reminded me of Blade 2, only a lot less gory. Still hoping they managed to tie Blade back into the greater MCU. Uh, My least favorite part of the whole episode was when... Uh, Daisy or Sky and Hive left South Dakota and then were immediately in Bucharest. I'm not sure how long it takes to fly there with Hydra, Supersonic, who knows. Anyway, there was no time at all. It was a blink of an eye later and they were in there. There was no sort of transit involved. It just sort of took me out of it to go, wait, how'd they get there so quick? Anyway, uh, hope you guys are doing great and thanks for everything you do. Talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, that stuck out to me too. Uh, the reason I didn't mention it was because I was so distracted by, whoa, Daisy's doing that to Fitz and Hive and Simmons. So, yeah, probably should have been a little more 
paying attention. But anyway, one more message. I almost forgot this one, and I don't want to. I don't know what it says, but uh, I don't want to because it's from one of our listeners, and uh, his name uh, is is a name that, well, I have an affinity for. So I'm going to play that message now. Hi, welcome to Level 7. <clears throat> this is the other Agent Ben, Ben B, a.k.a. Ben uh, Marvels at Marvel. So what was my best moment um, of the episode, Singularity? Well, visually, the opening camera sequence was superb. It set the stage for the chaos and the recovery from Daisy's quake at the playground. It also conveyed you know, a great sense of unease and also slight motion sickness. Plot-wise, um, Daisy and Hive on the hill talking and... Um, how a grizzled show watcher uh, noticed how Hive was like Ward in his responses um, to Daisy, but also very different. And that was reflected in um, you know Daisy's reactions to some of the things, and I thought that was really great. It shone a really uh, huge light on what they've been building on the whole second half of the season. Mythology-wise, I mean, I loved all the hints at Hive's origin, how to defeat him, what he plans to do, you know, a.k.a. what, <laughs> what decree started, you know, enhance humans, you know, like, well, what does that mean? Uh, so that, those, those were great. Uh, what I thought was kind of bad was uh, visually just kind of the cutscenes in that transhuman club. Um, so that was too brief, too quick, and we mostly just got to see Max kind of reactions to it and not really seeing what he was seeing. So it felt like you know, kind of a little quick. You know, just kind of expecting like um, the Deathlock x ray scene where the audience got to see under Mike Peterson's skin. And it kind of showed us that uh, the comic version of Deathlock, which I thought was really great in, you know, in the past season. So. You know, from my head, you know, that's what I was kind of hoping for. So it was just kind of a little disappointment. Uh, Plot-wise, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not a shipper, so, but I do enjoy Fitzsimmons. Um, but I just feel like their time has just been off this whole half season. And, um, you know, plus, you know, come on, workplace romances, they just seem like a bad idea in general. Uh, and then mythology, what I didn't like, um, you know, Hydra is just gone, really. Uh, you know, it seemed to be rushed. You know, I guess it, um, you know, served the plot. But we didn't really have any setup to what those assets were what malik was holding we we don't really know what any of those things that were connected to what actually got taken down so it's just a more of a minor annoyance because you know the mcu and shield in general they do a, such a great job at world building at um setting up those things through clues and company names these are hinted things in the, in the comic books things that have been in the movie so just the fact that they did it so quickly i mean i like the fact that he was talking with talbot on on the on you know over the line but it just felt like it's just like oh it's over okay but as a watcher in a meta level we know obviously in civil war there's some things left behind so anyway so that's it thank you and thank you ben i uh, appreciate the the message and yeah, so uh, like I said, this episode way different, way different in construction. Lots of weird, different things on the back end, on the back side here. Uh, but thank you so much for all that great feedback, and that makes you know some of the ramblings of this old man a little less rambly, I guess. Maybe, maybe not. But I appreciate uh, everyone for for calling, for recording, for writing. And special thanks to Agent Evan, who went above and beyond with how much messaging he sent in. I also want to say thank you for listening, those of you who are listening right now. And I'm saying thank you for listening on behalf of all of the feedback givers 
who were giving feedback and who you were listening to them as well. And I'm saying thank you for listening on behalf of Daniel and on behalf of Evan. And I just have to say that for some reason, this episode reminded me of another show that I used to watch. Um, not not any of those spy shows like She Spies or Covert Ops or whatever. Uh, it reminded me of that show where uh, – that talk show, you know, not Jerry Springer, Maury Povich. Yes, you know, when they would say things like, Phil, you're not her father. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one 55 level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. Post-credit scenes are a lot more exciting when there's more than one person here. Well, that's that. This is awkward. I should probably cut this off sooner rather than later.